It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. You're very welcome to Midweek Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show. We're packed for the next couple of hours. I'll just bring your attention to one of my guests later on in the show, Professor Roseanne Kenny. You know, we all want to live long and healthy lives, don't we? There is a science behind it. Yes, there really is to living longer and healthier. And Professor Rose is going to talk to us about it during the course of the afternoon. If you want to join in the conversation, don't forget the contact numbers 086-1800-658. That's WhatsApp or text. Or if you care to call in, it's 0419832000. Now, we begin today and... No need to remind you of the shocking, violent death of school teacher Ashling Murphy. And there's no doubt the vast, vast majority of this nation have said enough is enough when it comes to violence against women. And with this in mind, today on LMFM and our other six radio stations in the group here in Ireland and our sister newspaper, The Irish Sun, we're launching a campaign which we call Call This Out, aimed at ending all violence against women and any behaviour, both psychological and physical, that facilitates it. Today on The Irish Sun's front page, crime editor Stephen Breen has a chilling piece about a young woman who was abducted, raped, murdered and her body buried in the Wicklow Mountains. It's often referred to as the forgotten murder. I'm talking about Mariora Rostas, an 18-year-old Romanian who arrived in Ireland at the end of 2007. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show Stephen Breen. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm very good. You might take up the story from there. Early 2008, she was on the streets of Dublin, Stephen. Yeah, well, Mariora Rostas uh, joined her family in Dublin. They had arrived in Dublin in 2007, October of that year. Mariora came to Dublin in December uh, 2007, and then just three weeks later, you know, her family had found it hard to come by any work, any good um, housing or um, any other opportunities that they hoped to experience uh, moving from Romania, very you know, awful conditions they were living in, very abject uh, poverty in their, their homeland. So they came to Ireland. You know, the opportunities were hard to come by because there was a, a uh, Mayor's family had problems, you know, with it, speaking the, the language. So uh, they, they found it difficult. So in Roma culture, you know, they often refer to or refer to begging on the streets, and that's what she was doing, mm. along with her brother on, on the morning of January sixth, uh, two thousand and eight. It was a cold day in the city centre in, in Dublin, and uh, 
Mary Earl was just uh, there with her family. Her mother and father were also there. They were in a different part of the city. And she was there with her brother, Dimitri, and a car pulled up. Uh, that individual in the car offered them 10 euros to go and get a McDonald's. The individual also spoke in uh, Romanian as well, used the term Safachi, which means hello. And um, he, he told Dimitri Rostas that he was bringing his sister to a McDonald's. And she got into the car. She was very vulnerable. She was naive. And when she got into that car, she was never seen again. She was certainly never seen again. And uh, she was taken uh, to uh, a place and held where, as I said, she was raped and uh, then shot through the head, was it, four times by a man associated with gangland crime. Yeah, at the time, the guards were baffled about the investigation because they were wondering, was it an arranged marriage? Did she leave to go to London or another part of Europe? But they had just no information whatsoever. They spoke to very um, many members of the Romanian community in Dublin as well and weren't getting any leads until June that year when a, a phone call was made to the guard station in Pier Street and um, an individual indicated that she'd actually been held captive in a place in Brabazon Street in the south inner city. And that's where she was killed. And the, the individual named um, uh, a suspect as either being the nephew of Martin, the General Cahill, or Martin, uh, the Viper Foley. So that set the guards on a different uh, tangent, on a different uh, direction. It, it totally changed the whole course of the investigation. And then in, in, in September of that year as well, they received a, a phone call naming an individual as the person who was involved in her abduction and disappearance. But it wasn't until 2012 um, when her remains were recovered, and that was only, they were only recovered after another individual called uh, Fergus O'Hanlon went to the Gardaí and said he wanted to assist them with their inquiries, and he brought Gardaí to the site uh, where she was buried in the Wicca Mountains, and then his brother-in-law, uh, an individual named Alan Wilson, was subsequently uh, charged with her murder, but then he, he was cleared of the murder after a court case in 2014. Yes, and the case collapsed and, and, and went no further. Uh, but uh, Wilson's sister uh, owned the place where she was held and murdered. And uh, Fergus O'Hanlon, as you said, was Maxine Wilson's uh, partner at the time. And Wilson's mother, they, were, they, they all knew things here. And sa- uh, like sadly, for, from that family's point of view, his mum and Maxine have both passed away subsequently. But they weren't forthcoming with information. No, they weren't forthcoming for information. And indeed, Mary Wilson, um, uh, at a, around that time, 2011, 2012, when they were concerned about Fergus O'Hanlon coming forward, she was engaged in uh, intimidation of other witnesses. She was caught in Pier Street Garda Station with a note uh, that the guards believed that Alan Wilson had compiled, instructing her to arrange uh, the murder of people that, that he believes might come forward to the Gardaí and might assist the Gardaí. So... She she was definitely complicit, um, and but never ever came forward with any information. Likewise, with Maxine Wilson, um, the guards thought that, that there may be an opportunity for her to come forward. They they had been talking to her um, without Alan Wilson even knowing about it. But again, she refused to to, to come forward, and, and those two ladies have, have since passed away in recent years. So they were unable to get any information from them regarding you know the actual events of what happened. But they did get a lot of information from Fergus O'Hanlon and they did piece together uh, a place where they believed that she was killed uh, a crime scene and that was Maxine Wilson's house so the investigation did go on and when Wilson was charged but he, he never faced uh, any justice because he was cleared during his trial. 
Now, he's been in prison for other things since, uh, I believe he's due out in, is it June of this year? And O'Hanlon is on a witness protection programme. This story could pick up from here on in. You'd never know. Yeah, no, he, he was due out this year, but that was in relation to um, an incident in uh, November 2017 when he was arrested by the, the Garda National Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau, and that was about him being involved with the Kinahan cartel mm. and targeting another individual called Gary Hanley, but unknown to Wilson and his co-conspirators in that case. The cars that they were using for that criminal enterprise were being bugged by the, the Garda National Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau, so uh, Wilson was apprehended over that incident. He pleaded guilty and received a sentence for um, uh, for conspiracy to murder. But when he was uh, targeting Gary Hanley, he also boasted about his role in another incident, and that was in 2010. In July 2010, three innocent men were shot outside uh, a former pub called the Players' Lounge. And so just in December past, uh, because of his own boasts uh, to uh, his co-conspirator in that case, he received a 10-year sentence after pleading guilty right. to conspiracy to murder those three men in, in 2010. Okay, so, so he's, he, he's, he'll be in jail for a long time. He'll be behind bars for a long time. Interesting. Now, th- this is related to gangland. It's an horrific crime against a young, innocent woman. And it's back in the spotlight because of what happened to Ashling Murphy. Look at the stats, Stephen. Since 1996, 224 women have been violently murdered in this country. And and 87 were murdered by males who were known to the victims. I think of people like, more recently, Nadine Lott, uh, Justine Valdez, the poor cleaner who was coming from the ISF, IFSC, who was murdered by a 15-year-old, and uh, Columines, the French lady, and her husband, Renato uh, Gehelen, who's, uh, you know, uh, oh my God, it just goes on, Stephen. Where, where, where does this ever end? See, that's, uh, I think, um, Jerry, one of the reasons why we, we did this campaign, because I, mean, I have interviewed so many families over the years of women who've lost their lives uh, through violent actions. And when I got to speak to Dimitri for the first time recently, you know, he was talk- He actually went to Lombard Street, where his sister was last seen alive, and, and left some flowers there in memory of her. But he, he said, obviously, it's been very hard for him. It's very hard for other families. But what prompted him to speak out again is because of the violent nature of Ashley Murphy's death, and here we are, we're talking about Mariora, which happened in 2008, and here mm. we are in 2022, mm. and violence against women uh, women is still continuing, so I think it's an important subject that, that has to be addressed. We saw the outpouring of grief for Ashley Murphy, the vigils, the statements from the, the politicians, but I think it's important and incumbent upon all of us to look at this issue and, and try to address um, other factors you know, in society that can perhaps lead to um, uh, a reduction in, in violence against women but it, it is a big debate uh, we all have to take part in it Yeah and it begins with you and I and everybody it's the power of one which uh, many things begin with we need to call things out when uh, something derogatory has been said about a woman when uh, somebody says something we've got to stand up Stephen as men uh, I, I totally agree I mean I, I'm a parent of two boys as well and I think it's, it's important to instil in them that the values that it's not okay to, to treat women, you know, as second-class citizens and to be ignorant towards them as to, to use vile language towards them as well. And, and I've been in scenarios before it's in a social setting where, you know, a, a man has been behaving in an inappropriate way to, towards a, a woman. And you have to stand up and, and be counted and call it out. And, and regardless of what you know others might say and address this so-called uh, macho culture that, that's still out there in society. And I think if you can take one step at doing that, then 
perhaps others will as well. But it's just to, to keep it in the public domain and, and remind people of their obligations, especially men and, mm. and the responsibilities and what they can do to, to help change things. That's something you mentioned there, and I have it on my notes here, that lads macho culture. You know what I'm talking about? That, mm-hmm. you know, at an age when boys are out and on the town and drinking and whatever else besides, there's something there that you know like boys will be boys Stephen you know what I mean I don't want to to change that by any means but you know what I'm getting at and you touched on there how do you you know tackle that yeah but look one way of tackling that and I um, I've interviewed a family that's appearing in the paper tomorrow um, and and her, her daughter was, was killed violently and what she said was that she would be willing to go into schools Mm. And talk to young boys and explain to them, that, you know, the, the consequences. Uh, how things can quickly escalate from, you know, name calling in the street, inappropriate behaviour, touching women, to violence against women. And she would be willing to go into schools for kids at a young age and to tell them the devastating consequences that families have experienced. And, and I and I think that's important. So, and that's coming from someone who has experienced direct experience of losing a daughter through a very violent action. And that was in 2007. So here we are again. This lady, Anne, uh, Anne Jenkins, has been concerned about the, the recent upsurge in violence, but she's willing to take a step as well. So it's just about values and in the home and ed- educate. Like I'm no expert about in the home and education, yeah. but I like to listen to families and people who've, who've suffered um, in, in this way and hear their concerns on what they think needs to be done so no other family has to go through what they've experienced. Mm. The- the other thing that's um, been quite prominent in commentary on this since, and I've been reading it quite a lot over the last couple of weeks, and especially written by women, uh, is the issue of violent porn and the availability of it and this uh, asphyxiation thing as part of it as well. How do you tackle that? How do you limit that? How do you take that on? It's, uh, it's not an easy one, Stephen. No, it's not, and that's where internet providers come in, that's where social media companies come in, and they have responsibilities as well. And I think, you know, when you have various stakeholders like the Department of Justice and the government, you know, and internet providers all have a, 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 a responsibility and a role to play in, in addressing this and the easy accessibility that kids have. You know, but then you have parents as well, so if someone picks up a phone or a teenager and can easily access this material online, so that's where there have to be stringent measures in place to stop them from accessing this and from distributing it as well or, you know, from accessing uh, photographs that quickly are shared on, on Snapchat or WhatsApp or another social media platform. So there are a lot of um, companies there who, who do have a role to play in trying to c- confront this behaviour. And the other thing to say is, you know, it manifests, but behind the scenes, I mentioned it in my introduction, the psychological violence. It can often start with that before it manifests physically and behind four walls, within a home as well. You know, there are women probably listening to us today who are in fear living at home of men in in, in their homes. How do you assure them or reassure them to come forward? Well, I've interviewed victims of domestic violence many times. Um, I've interviewed uh, the fantastic um, uh, workers from uh, Women's Aid who do incredible work, you know, despite a lack of of serious funding in trying to help women and trying to help families. And, you know, there's one lady I interviewed from Kells not so long ago, and she said it was the best thing she ever did was in coming forward and seeking help because it protected her it protected her family and it led to uh, someone who had abused her, 
you know, going to court and being punished. And I think that the courts have to have a strong deterrent there as well. If you do engage in this behaviour, then you will face very serious consequences. So, but every individual I've spoken to, even in terms of uh, families whose loved ones have been lost, the, 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 the priority for them is getting justice and ensuring that people shouldn't suffer in silence and they should come forward. So that, that's an imperative and that's a message that remains consistent among all, all the families who I've spoken to over the years. And it's just vital that if you are suffering, don't suffer in silence and please speak out and contact the Gardaí. I think you've uh, given some wonderful advice there in several areas. And if we address those uh, particular areas, we really will make a difference. But we all got to start today calling it out as individuals. Stephen, uh, congratulations on the article today. It's chilling, uh, but it brings it back again. The forgotten murder of Mariora Rostas. And you're going to continue, as you said, in the Irish Sun this week. Make sure to pick it up and read uh, what uh, Stephen has to say today and through the week. We thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Jerry. Take care. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Stephen Breen there, crime editor with our sister newspaper, The Irish Sun. And I just say to you again, enough is enough. we got to call it out. When we hear something or see something that's derogatory towards a woman, we got to stand up and call a halt and call out the person. And if you're somebody who's a woman living in fear as well, listen to what Stephen says. There is a confidential phone number for women's aid. It's open 24 by 7. That's every hour of the day, every week, every month of the year. And you can call that now if you're worried or concerned. The number is one 800 341-900. That's 1-800-341-900. Women's Aid. And there's a willing ear there to listen to you. Don't live with it. Don't accept it. Stand up for yourself as well. You won't regret it. Enough is enough, as I say. And on LMFM Radio today, our sister stations and the newspaper, we say to you, call this out. I'm sure you remember last week on the show we were talking about large families and we spoke to people across the northeast who came from large families and it was so interesting to hear what they had to say. It's just today if you've won, you're murdered, as they say, with one child. But I had a letter from a listener this morning. I love it. And it just signed Daily Listener. I don't know who it is. They didn't put their name to it at all. But uh, they said, Jerry, it was so interesting listening to you last week when you were talking to people and about large families. And I just wanted to bring this to your attention from a mother's perspective. Emily Fitzgerald, Duchess of Leinster, wife of the Duke of Leinster, Jerry, had 19 children. And when her husband died, she remarried and listen to this, had three more. God, had the woman not sense after 19 to go to 22 in the name of God. Anyway, that was back in the, the 1800s we're talking about there when families were huge anyway. And on the father's side, Jerry, the King of Siam. Now, I remember him or I remember a movie about him anyway had 39 wives or concubines as they say and he fathered good on you king of Siam 82 children oh Jesus I'll tell you one thing be worth it for the children's allowance alone wouldn't it 82 of them anyway (laughs) interesting isn't it it really is thank you so much uh, for taking the time to send me the letter and write in to me and tell me all about it I do appreciate you whoever you are late lunch daily listener I love my post I say it to you again if you uh, 
ever want to send me a note or write to me or a card, I love it. And you look at the crack we had at Christmas time with the Christmas cards. Yes, you can't beat the old postie, that is for sure. I love it and always will. Now, we all want to live forever, don't we? Freddie Mercury sang about it. Well, you know, that's not possible. But we do like to think that we'll have a long and healthy life. Well, coming up after two in the show, we're talking exactly about that with Professor Roseanne Kenny. And the sign says it now, you can live longer and healthier. Oh, I'm looking forward to talking to her and uh, see what I have to change with me regime. But taking us towards news and weather at two o'clock. Ah, I really do like this one. Haven't played it in a while. It's Leslie Dowdle. Now a book popped in my letterbox round about the end of the year, early this year, and it really caught my attention because it's called Age Proof, The New Science of Living a Longer and Healthier Life. And I was really interested. I'm sure you are too. Longer, healthier lifespan. Well, it's written by the holder of the chair of medical gerontology at Trinity College, Dublin, And she's a fascinating lady. And this is a simply brilliant book. I'm delighted to say hello this afternoon to Professor Roseanne Kenny. Hello, Roseanne. Hello, how are you? I am really good. I'll tell you this. I normally give books away in the show when I read them. There's nobody getting this one, Roseanne. I'm (laughs) keeping this close to me, chest for the rest of my life. Listen to me. Listen to me here. I'll tell you one thing I want to say to you to start off. I've often heard this saying, you are as young as you feel. You say that's true. No, no, it's biologically correct. You are as young as you feel. Okay. We, we've shown in, in the research work that we've been doing that people who perceive themselves as younger than their years, mm-hmm. who are followed up over a 10-year period, at 10 years are physically better and brain health cognitively better than those who actually feel their years feel the, their, their true chronological age. And that's when we've statistically adjusted for all of the factors or confounders that might influence that. Because you might say, well, if you've got bad arthritis at the beginning, mm. you know, and it get, continues to get worse, of course you're going to feel worse and feel your age. But that's irrespective of all of those things. How young you feel is an independent predictor for the pace of ageing. So it's all to do with attitude? Uh, Attitude is huge. Attitude is huge, which is why it's terribly important not only for individuals to have a positive attitude, but also at a societal level that we don't have ageist approaches from policy and from society and media in general, um, which uh, would make it difficult for someone to be resilient in the face of you know, expressions like, oh, oh yeah, you're old or you're a certain age, you can't work, you shouldn't have jobs, you must retire at 65, etc. Mm. So, so how we as a society approach ageing influences how in individuals feel themselves to be ageing. It's very hard to be resilient about your years and to feel younger for your years if you're constantly being bombarded by signals from externally, which are negative. Very, very important to say. The other thing is this, and I'm sure you've heard this, you'll point to someone, a man or a woman, and say, he or she, oh, sure, they're old beyond their years. So that's where 
that is that person necessarily in trouble when they're perceived like that by others? They're sending those signals. Yeah. You know, so another very interesting observation from our research was that it isn't just about um, uh, perceptions in people who aren't frail. We showed that even in in older persons who were frail, Mm. if they believed themselves to be younger and had a a positive attitude and youthful ageing perceptions, their pace of ageing was also much slower. Yeah. than people who were frail, the same level of frailty, but had a negative approach. Now, this is an extensive study. I just want to tell listeners this. This is not just a, a week or two or a month or two. This was 12 years and 9,000 adults over 50 years of age. So this has real substance. Yeah. So the core of the study is the TILDA study. And that's the study that you're referring to, which we've been doing for 12 years now, sponsored by the Department of Health and Health Research board and other funding agencies and we've people from all over Ireland so any of the facts or generalizations that are made in the book actually are relevant to an Irish population and then we've also drawn on research from other aging studies around the globe Mm. to complement that work. So here's the other one that crosses my mind you know you'll hear people say oh you know it's in the genes her mother and father had this or they died young and the genetics play a huge part what do you say to that so that's a great question because that is the perception but the truth of the matter is only 20 percent of the aging process is predicated on your genes 80 percent is within our control 80 percent is within our control Mm, that's interesting indeed, isn't it? And the other one, you know, from a, a beliefs point of view, uh, faith or whatever, you know, you won't live a day longer than you're destined to live. Mm, well, that's a bit... <laughs> that's interesting because one of the th- there are a number of different theories about why we age and probably a little bit of each of them is right. But one of the theories is that we have an internal clock. Mm. And and you know, and that that's programmed at birth, etc. I don't subscribe to that, and the majority of people don't because of eighty percent being so modifiable of the aging process. Then that doesn't make sense that we've got a clock, and no matter what, you know, that's your destiny. Mm. Now the usual suspects come up, of course, with your diet, exercise, smoking, alcohol. Yeah. God, you're an awful party pooper altogether. Well, no, I'm not actually, because one of the most important components is laughter and enjoyment and social <laughs> engagement. In fact, having good quality friends and sharing lots of time with them is as good for uh, influencing the pace of aging as managing cholesterol or managing blood pressure. That's, that's an amazing fact. But Roseanne, and, over a few pints. Pardon? Over well, a few pints. Well, well, the blue zones, which are the areas of the world where um, the highest proportion of people live to 100 and beyond and live to 100 years and beyond in good health, mm. do do meet together over a drink um, on a regular, every day actually, as a part of a de-stressing ritual, particularly in Sardinia and Costa Rica. There you go. God, now that's grist to the mill music to my ears for sure. But come back to those ones you mentioned a moment ago. And, you know, we are emerging from a time of isolation when we couldn't see family or friends over an extended period of time, work colleagues as well. That connectivity, you say, is crucial. 
Yeah, the TILDA study actually looked at this, my colleague Mark Ward, and we showed that loneliness and depression has increased threefold, you know, by three, a factor of three, three times more common than it was before the pandemic for the participants in our study. That's, that's, a, that's a huge factor, factor increase. So we need to really work hard as a society to claw back on all of that and to change that, uh, that, that, that situation. It's, and it's hard for individuals. If you've been more or less confined to the house and pretty much on your own and experiencing loneliness, it's really hard to get back on the treadmill again. Mm. But, but we need to make an addition, a really hard effort to do that. And, you know, if you think, oh, it's just me, it isn't. Everybody is feeling this. And if you reach out and arrange to meet your friends, every single one of them will be so pleased that you've reached out and they'll reach out in turn. I was only talking about this to a colleague in the last hour or so here as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm feeling it too. You know, you might think I'm here every day full of the joys of life Mm -hmm. and everything. But I've experienced that withdrawal as well and finding it hard just to, you know, to move from it. But I will. I promise you will. Laughter, the best medicine, the truest saying we ever heard. Yes. So laughter is the best medicine, actually. And if I was asked what the one thing is, I would say increase the number of times you laugh in a day. Children laugh 400 times a day. As we get older into adulthood and all of the burdens that we have with with, with life, the, the frequency of our laughter declines, and it's particularly so in older age. Yeah. But laughter is is a great medicine. Laughter is very good to suppress stress and inflammation in cells. And probably inflammation is the, the core mechanism that underpins most of the aging process. And laughter is, is, laughter is about bonding, about social bonding. That's how it's evolved. I mean, a mother rat, believe it or not, can tickle her offspring and make them laugh. Mm. Um, so, so it's a very um, hardwired, ingrained um, behavior Um, and terribly important to our physiology and psychology. Yeah, things you mentioned as well. Standing on one leg, why would I do that like a heron? So, um, falls become more common as we get older. I mean, our our data shows that after the age of 40, there's a precipitous increase in the number of falls that people experience Mm. in a year. Up until 40, it's okay. And then after 40, it it kicks in. The issue with falls is that 50% of people, for example, who fracture a neck of femur, a hip, after falling, never get back to their previous level of independence. Mm. Half of, of, of hip fractures. So you want to avoid that. And the way to avoid that is good balance. And the way to check your balance, first of all, is stand on each leg for 30 seconds, eyes open, and see if you're unstable. Mm. And then close your eyes, and you should be able to stand stock, stock still for 10 seconds. And if you can't, then you need to do balance tests. And the, the easiest thing is to do them at every possible opportunity during the day. So in the morning when you're washing your teeth, stand on one leg for 30 seconds, and then the other... When you're washing the dishes at the sink, cooking, whatever, stand on, 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 on a leg and practice that balance. There you go. The flamingo or the heron has it right. A cold yeah. shower every morning. Jeez, I'm freezing even thinking about it.
So, a cold shower is really good for our immune system. People who take regular cold showers or are cold water swimmers, they actually are much less likely to get chest infections and we believe it's also very good for COVID and boosting the immune system for COVID. And no phones. Well, we've heard this so many times at the blue light before bedtime. Switch it off. It really does uh, act as a, yeah. a stimulant. The blue light off because it makes a difference to your circadian rhythm and your melatonin levels, all of which enhance sleep. And you are a massive proponent of yoga. Why? Yeah, no, because yoga combines stretching, balance and meditation. Um, so it actually is a very good way of, of encompassing all of those different mechanisms. And the early, earlier you start yoga, the better. I have a nutritionist. She'll be joining me tomorrow, Rachel Graham. And she's mentioned this already. She's been on with me each week since the start of the year. This thing of eating yes. within an eight hour window. Why yes. so? Caloric restriction has been shown to decelerate the pace of aging in, in must. I don't know if you've got the book there, but there were rhesus monkeys and yes. one group of monkeys um, were calorie restricted for 20 years and the other group ate their normal diet. And at 20 years of age, I have photographs of the difference and the group mm. who were eating the, or, or the, the restricted diet where they were reducing their intake by 40%, they looked like offspring, like children of the other monkeys, although they were both 20 years old. Calorie restriction works for humans as well in slowing down the pace of aging and we've ways of measuring biological clocks and we know that calorie restriction makes a difference to those biological clocks in a beneficial way mm. now people say i can't i can't if you if you fast for a 16 hour period and just eat within an eight hour window during the day that's calorie restriction and mm. um, i do it myself and what i do is i and make my last meal of the day. I have my first meal of the day at midday or one o'clock, sort of a lunch brunch. And then my last meal is eight hours after that. And then I, I don't eat in the evening or during the night. And it's actually, honestly, it's not that difficult to do. And you'll feel much better. And lots of young people are even doing this now because they understand the benefits overall to physiology. This isn't just as we get older. This is generally much better for our health and metabolism, and particularly as a, an obesity-fighting uh, mechanism. So don't worry about this thing that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Well, it might be for you, and that's fine. So you start your eight-hour window with breakfast. Yeah, and go eight hours and end at the end of the eight end hours. At the end of the eight hours. The key is keeping it within the eight-hour window. There were lovely experiments on, on mice and rats, which show with one group, but, but both groups, two groups, both were given the same amount of food, but one group was limited to eating the food within eight hours and the other within 24 hours. And the group that ate within 24 hours got fat, but the group that curtailed the same amount of intake to eight hours did not. Will you allow me an odd breakout where I might be out for a pint or two and I'd have the munchies when I come home? Is that okay? Well, I mean, that's human nature and no, yeah. nobody's going to be perfect on this. <laughs> oh, Roseanne, thank God for that. I was nearly going to fall off the chair here. And you do say it's important to de-stress on a daily basis. You know what? It's a cracking book, may I say. Ah, oh, thank you so much. It thank you. I've, I've had really lovely, positive responses. Uh, so thank you for that. It's great. It really is. And it's lovely to catch up with you today. We'll keep you on the books here because I'd love to talk to you again sometime. Delighted. OK, thank you. Take care thank yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Professor Roseanne Kenny there. Age Proof is the name of the book. The New Science of Living a Longer and Healthier Life.
I'm holding on to it. I recommend it to you highly. It really is terrific. And lots of food, forgive the pun, for thought between the covers of that one. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Still to come on the show this afternoon. If you're worried about your data and breaches of data, well, we're talking about it shortly on the show. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Miss Kylie Minogue and Lucky in Love. I'm so lucky with the people I work with, I have to say, in LMFM Radio. Brian Farley's with me today and he played that for me especially. Thank you, Brian, because he tells me it's Australia Day and who else to represent Australia but the pint size, Miss Kylie Minogue. And I just say, you talk about gratitude and we're talking to Rose and Kenny about her book, Age Proof, a moment ago. I'm grateful for everything I have, I have to say. And I feel I've been so lucky in my lifetime and a content as well. I feel a contentment, to be honest with you. And uh, I'm very thankful for all of those things. But seriously, getting back to, you know, society opening up again and moving out. Yours truly here. I know I've got into a... I got into a comfort zone in my own company and that as well. And I got to kick myself out of that uh, scenario too. Your messages, Jerry. I agree wholeheartedly with the attitude to life. We must try every day to find something positive about ourselves, says a listener. And that is the thing. We can be too hard on ourselves. And I find that, jeez, I love a laugh. I love a laugh. I'm an awful slagger, you know. Oh, I'll slag the japers off you. I will. I will. I never miss out or let an opportunity go by. I have to say it. I have to have the slag. But I'm not like Delaney's dog who can... Give it, but not take it. I'll take it too. I will. Oh, yeah, sure. Listen, I've been the the butt of it myself. But I think, you know, when you can have a slag, you can have a laugh, and you're not being offensive or nasty to anybody, a laugh is just fantastic. The other day with Rory on the, when I was telling him about the Zoom call and that, I was still laughing about that after the show. And you feel good, that laugh, it, it lifts your spirit. And we've, we've tried here on Late Lunch as well, this last difficult time to bring more fun and laughter and joy and comedy and crack into the show as well and you know it, it's important and it's, it's it's important now as we move forward as well from difficult days yes the the name of that book is age proof the new science of living a longer and healthier life by professor rose and kenny it's terrific. I recommend it. I highly recommend the book to you to go and get it and enjoy what she has to say. Now, just building on our opening of the show today, it's a very important day for LMFM Radio, our sister stations and our sister newspaper, the Irish Sun newspaper. We were chatting to Stephen Breen at the top of the show and I just want to remind you again that right across this country, people are outraged at the shocking death of Ashling Murphy in Tullamore. Change is urgently needed in attitudes towards women. It's no longer acceptable for any of us to stand silent. So, ourselves here, the Irish Sun and our sister stations are asking everybody, men and women, young and old, old, to call out any situation that makes a woman feel uncomfortable, disrespected, unequal, not to mention scared, threatened or endangered. And don't forget, I mentioned it earlier, if you want more information or support or you're concerned or worried today, Women's Aid are there on the end of the phone 24-7. And this number is the number you need. Call them if you need to. 1800 341 900. That's Women's Aid 1-800-341-900. They're standing by to take your call. They're always there for you. Late Lunch LMFM Radio. Well, 
uh, the HSE know all about data breaches. My God, look what happened last year and the chaos it caused. And data protection is a big matter. And this week is dedicated to it right across the world. And we're chatting about it here on Late Lunch next. This week, in case you didn't know, is dedicated to data privacy. And it's an issue that affects all of us, individuals, and especially when we work in companies and the information we deal with. Some years back, my next guest joined me here in studio to talk about the changes in GDP or at that time. Well, there's been a lot of water under the bridge since, but I'm delighted to welcome her back. She's from Dundalk. Her business is based there. She's a data protection consultant. Consultant and her company is Montclair Data Protection. I'm delighted to say hello again to Claire Copas. Hello, Claire. Good afternoon, Jerry, and thank you for having me on the show. And lovely, lovely to speak with you again. Ah, you too as well. Well, my God, did we know what would happen in the world since we last met? No need to go back on that one. But that, that's just a, a point to start from. You know, COVID and privacy practices. What's been the impact, Claire? COVID has had a huge impact on on privacy, Jerry. You know, COVID in its own right knocked us for six. But then uh, from a privacy uh, point of view, particularly for businesses and organisations, the first thing that happened was the sudden um, instruction from government where possible, you know, people uh, working from home, Mm. suddenly businesses uh, had to organize you know like policies procedures you know to get their employees set up uh, in a safe working environment and to ensure that they were gtbr compliant so uh huge so i'll come back to the remote working just in a second Mm. but also then we had um the protocols that were introduced by the HSE for certain sectors, uh, things such as um, track and trace, uh, temperature testing. So it was all a huge additional amount of extra personal uh, information that was being collected and um, still continues to be, Mm. you know, a real challenge for for businesses and and organisations. Yeah, and as I mentioned, but, I mentioned at the start there when you think of the HSE, what happened them as well, the way they were hacked and and their their systems were were knocked out. Absolutely, I think I, the cyber attack for the HSE in in May of last year, you know, is is a prime example, you know, for businesses and organisations as to you know what not to do and how how things can go so wrong because it's it's been subsequently established from the investigations into the uh, HSE cyber attack that it could have been prevented GWR demands that businesses and organizations that uh, IT infrastructures are kept up to date robust and secure to prevent any uh, cyber attacker trying to come in through the weakest link and this is exactly what happened with the HSE it uh, was established that um, the uh, organization largely was working on Windows 7, which became obsolete, you know, like about 18 months previously. So that in its own right, you know, as, as I say, it could have been prevented. Mm. 
and uh, it sets uh, a an example as to you know when uh, a system is hacked the ramifications for, for the business for the organization and you know to stakeholders and in in the HSE to the public sector we're yes. all aware and I'm sure that there's very few people that weren't affected you know by by that particular cyber attack so so two things emerging from that in what you say there for all companies uh, and the HSE are massive but you deal with companies right down to individual small businesses as well it goes without saying then from what you say that you must always be on the ball with your security that it's right up to date and that it's dealing with the latest threats that are out there and and when you mentioned Windows 7 you know uh, you know platforms like that that you really uh, migrate to ones that are current and working and safe Absolutely. Data protection, GDPR, is basically all about privacy. Mm. And it uh, encourages and it mandates businesses and organisations that their legal obligation is to protect the personal information of their customers, their consumers, their employees, their patients, your sports clubs, any any organisation that collects uh, personal information. They have a legal obligation to keep that secure. Mm. And Data Privacy Week is all about creating an awareness both to business and organisations and to individuals how to stay safe online. You know, they, the, the last two years have seen a prolific shift to the digital platform by businesses, particularly in the retail sector, many, many of them had to do it for survival purposes. And by shifting to the digital platform, they are collecting significantly more information through that platform than they would from ordinary footfall walking through um, a a shop door. Yeah, and that's an important point to make. And the other thing, just to go back to what you said there, you you might be involved with a sports club or whatever type of club or whatever, gathering information on members, things like that. There's a huge onus and responsibility there, and it's important to emphasise that. Just hop back to the remote working for a moment, because people were sent home, as you know, late March, early April 2020, and people have done, and organisations, a wonderful job at, you know, business continuance. But I'm just thinking, and I, I never thought of this uh, until you said it there it's just not as simple as going home and switching on a computer and logging on and being connected it has huge ramifications absolutely because the business owner and the organization still is legally obliged uh, that they can demonstrate that all the security controls are in place to protect that data Mm. and over the past two years there are very very few businesses and organizations that I'm aware of that have actually, you know, conducted a risk assessment, you know, such as going to uh, their employees' homes, looking to see at the, the environment, you know, that the employees is working from. Are they working from a kitchen table where there's lots of uh, family that could possibly look over their shoulder, at highly sensitive information? over a laptop, but also, you know, as regards the the security and the infrastructure, you know, of of the um of the business. 
And importantly, you know, has the employee been trained and made aware of what they can and they can't do with uh, uh, company data mm. whilst working mm. remotely? Because in the at least in the office in environment, the employer can, has a better idea and can see what their employees are, are doing with their data. Mm. Whilst remotely, mm. you know, the control is significantly lessened. I, I, and... I know what you Sorry. just. Yeah, I just want to because time will be us here. There's a couple of things I want to mention about you and your company that you do. Um, you do a gap analysis. In other words, you can go in and look and see where the deficiencies are. Website review. I see that's an important thing that comes under your banner as well, along with many other things. But those two jumped out at me in particular. But can I ask you this in a general sense again? And. Um, how are Irish companies doing? What's your feeling for our compliance with GDPR? Is it good, bad or indifferent? Uh, there's still a great deal of, of complacency uh, out there. We're now ca- coming up to the fourth uh, anniversary of GDPR implementation in May. Um, the, f- the longer that uh, GDPR has has been implemented, and what has been an issue up to quite recently, has been the lack of enforcement action by the uh, Irish regulator, mm. and it is only really in the last nine twelve months that we have seen any significant. Uh, sanctions or enforcement action by the uh, data commissioner's office um it's been well reported uh, october november time um whatsapp will find something like 225 million um by the irish data uh, protection commissioner and it's worth noting is that with the huge amount of tech global tech companies with their headquarters in in Ireland they have a they're regulated by by the Irish regulator so her brief is is huge mm. but um her enforcement action has been ramped up and only in the last two to three weeks uh, unfortunately for Limerick County Council they incurred a significant fine of €100,000 for the unlawful use of CCTV systems. Mm -hmm. So what I would be saying that we're going to see uh, a lot more enforcement action from our Irish regulator in, in the next uh, in the next year. So uh, this is very important to take uh, note of and uh, it is real and and the uh, policing of it is being uh, ramped up for, for sure. And the implications, as you said, you mentioned big organisations there, but the implications for anybody who would share data that they shouldn't be sharing or allow access to others, etc., this could be, you know, really costly, cost the business, cost the, the very business itself. Absolutely. And it can be done very innocently mm. and very easily, Jerry, without the business or the organisation knowing that that it can happen. It can happen as simply as an email being sent to a wrong uh, recipient or a global or a, um, yeah, a, a group email. Um everybody's email being included rather than using the BCC function, the blind copy function. 
It can be as simple as um, people or receptionists having a conversation about clients or customers or patients. So a data breach is any unauthorized disclosure of information. So it can be verbal. It can, as I say, like uh, wrong email. It can be uh, a weak in um, a weak infrastructure. Somebody getting through a very vulnerable system that there were no uh, security controls on. So it's 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 huge. Yes. So the message too is be careful with those closed or open groups as well, and and groups speak on messages. BCC, keep that in mind. Claire, I have to yeah. leave it there today. There's a there's a huge amount in this, and you are there, and you're in the business and working with lots of businesses as well. If you want to find out more about Claire and our company, it's Mon. Claire Data Protect, that's M-O-N-C-L-A-R-E, dataprotect.com is uh, the website there. Do you want to throw out your phone number? Thank you, Jerry. My phone number is 087-4616-012. And you can also reach me by email on info at monclairedataprotect.com. Perfect. And that is given freely and there's no data issue with it. Claire, thank you for joining me on the show on this week dedicated to data protection. I wish you well. Thanks indeed. Thanks very much, Jerry. Thank you. Not at all. Take care. It's a minefield. It's a very dangerous area. And ultimately, I mean that if you're not up to date, you don't have the security. Look what happened to HSE. Massive organisation. And one vulnerable point with a was it a computer left on and access to somebody and in they got and the rest is history. They're still recovering from it. Petra loves meatloaf. I know you do, Petra. And we did uh, talk about him last Friday on the show. We had a great story about him as well. And we played them. And she's asking me to play him in my Artist of the Week. Well, I've moved on, Petra, to soundtracks from musicals and movies. But I'm sure we'll give the loaf is spin in the not too distant future. Hi Jerry. I got COVID twice and on both occasions I had to screenshot my test results and forward them to management. Is that normal? Well, I suppose they were looking for them to make sure that you were you were as you were and you had the COVID as well. I don't see a lot of an issue myself personally with that, to be honest with you. But you've got to be careful with the old data. Oh, my God, you really do. Uh, even though on the net and on all the platforms, Facebook, uh, you name it, uh, Instagram, Twitter and that. At times it's like the Wild West with what people say. But I'd say the day is arriving. It's getting closer all the time. When the big tech companies are really going to have to get a grip on things. And if people say things that we couldn't say here on a public radio station, uh, but it can be said freely elsewhere. Well, I'd say the day of reckoning is coming sooner rather than later. There's more pressure coming on the companies from government as well to tackle the particular issue of free speech or nasty speech or whatever you like to say about it. Do you know, I was sitting in the car, I meant to tell you yesterday, and uh, getting ready to come up for the show. And I think the phone rang in the car and I just sat there and I looked out to my right hand side. I couldn't believe what I saw because rare you'll see this. There were two Robins sitting side by side in one of my little shrubs. And I had to look twice to say, God, it is. They're right beside one another because they're very territorial, you know, Mr. Robin Redbreast. But there were two of them side by side. What a picture. I said goodbye to the person in the fold, put, <laughs> put down the window of the car, 
slow motion put my phone up towards them and guess what one of them fecked off oh Robin you let me down I nearly had the picture of the two boys or a boy and a girl side by side whether they'd paired up or what but there they were and rare you will you'll see one round they're territorial altogether and we know that anyway but the pair of them sitting there with the little red breasts in the shrub I just thought, my... And I have a fellow, well, it's the same one in the back garden with me all of the time when I'm out there rooting round in the garden or the new tunnel of the greenhouse are outside and they're always looking for a few worms to pick up and it's been so mild and lovely lately and they've been getting lots with me when I've been out there at my garden tasks, which I love. And that was one thing I meant to mention to Roseanne. She has in her book, she says, gardening is great for you. It's one of the best things you can do for mind, body and soul and for longevity in life. Be God, I could be in for an inning so, but you never know, do you, day to day. You're at late lunch on LMFM Radio this Wednesday afternoon. Great to have you with us if you're listening on the radio, online or your smart speaker or on the app. Download it, the LMFM app. Take us with you wherever you go in the world. And we have lots of people listening all over the world. Still to come on the show this afternoon, soundtrack from the movie and the classical series is back, but taking us towards news and sport at three o'clock. I love this one. It's Nile Horn, and it's our song, folks. Yes, it's ours. I'm alright with me. Now, my soundtrack this week comes from that incredible movie, Top Gun, and. I mentioned yesterday the involvement of the forces in the states, and in particular, the U.S. Navy were crucial to the production, making several fighter aircraft and the aircraft carrier USS Enterprise available to the film crew. Now, they paid for it, and it cost them. Oh, it really did. Most of the movie's memorable stunt flight sequences uh, weren't piloted, of course, by Tom Cruise or the other guys. Uh, They were actually flown in an F-14 aircraft piloted by Scott Altman who subsequently, after the movie, years later, he became a NASA astronaut and went to space as well. But Scott Altman was the man who was involved in those flying scenes. Art Schull was a famous acrobatic pilot too. His name was Art Schull. And he was hired to do the in-flight camera work on the movie, which was sensational. But I never realised this till I did a bit of digging. He was filming one of the sequences for the movie when his plane crashed into the Pacific Ocean uh, off the south coast of California. He was killed instantly and neither he nor the plane he was flying were ever recovered. Believe that, yes, never recovered. So, as a result, and I saw that on the credit rolls and it only became apparent to me now, Top Gun is dedicated to the memory of Art Schull, the man who lost his life in the making of the movie. Indeed, the restaurant scenes involving Goose and Maverick, remember those, played a song from it yesterday, singing Great Balls of Fire, and You've Lost That Love and Feeling, was the Kansas City Barbecue, which became famous subsequently and adorned with Top Gun memorabilia. But it too experienced tragedy when it was extensively damaged by fire in 2008. It recovered and opened again, But today on the show, I want to go back to the boys with this one. Kenny Loggins, playing with the boys. Yeah, from Top Gun. What a movie, what a soundtrack, what songs. We'll bring you more tomorrow, around about this time, 
on your late lunch. And we're staying on the musical theme before we finish, but quite different indeed. The Drogheda Classical Music Series has been a roaring success since it began. But of course, with COVID, like everything else, uh, the uh, attendance at the concerts couldn't happen. And was back slightly and slightly, well, big time restricted, but they were on Zoom and... God, everybody did their very best. But it is back and coming back in person at the beginning of next month. And we're going to chat about it next on Late Lunch. It's back with a spring series of concerts. I'm talking about the Drogheda Classical Music Series and its director and the woman who's made it all happen over these years past is joining me again. Pauline Ashwood, afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Well, a spring series. I'm just thinking, obviously, with the way the world was and the big change that happened in the last seven days, was it difficult for you to plan ahead and book performers? Did you think you'd still be Zooming it? Oh, uh, well, I, we knew, or well, we felt and hoped that we wouldn't be Zooming it or doing them online because we were open before Christmas. Um, I suppose the big dilemma was always if they didn't lift the 8pm curfew, what were we going to do? And listening to the government and to the public health, where they were asking people to enter into the spirit of things. So while we could have moved concerts to earlier in the evening, say half five or half six and been finished before 8pm, I suppose there was a moral question over whether that was the right thing to do. It was still encouraging people to gather. And yet, you know, from the outset, once we were able to return with live audiences, the arts has been safe We've, you know, followed all the guidelines. We had the COVID passes. We had monitored systems. We didn't have bars. You know, there was um, spacing, two meter distancing between people. Mm. So when people could come, they did feel comfortable. So, yes, there was a, a slight dilemma as to whether that would be lifted. Of course, it's great news now and there's wonderful optimism out there for the future and particularly for the arts. But there's still questions over, you know, COVID hasn't gone away. Yes, we're managing it, but people can still feel unwell, can still catch it. Um, You know, so I think we have to have a slow return for the arts. Yes, we're open. Yes, we're going to ensure that people can get out for this lifeline that is the arts, not just for those of us that work in the arts, but for many of our audience who just adore live music Mm. or live theatre, whatever it is. And to be able to get back and maybe see a friend or two that you haven't seen for a while and enjoy live music. So we will be there. We're live. We'll continue to follow guidelines. And for Drogheda Classical Music, we're not in a hurry to go back to full capacity just yet. Obviously, you know, there'll be economic pressure at some point down the line whereby we'll need to look at our capacity. But in the short term, between the Arts Council, Louth County Council, our funders and our supporters, We've been able to, and we are able to keep uh, capacity numbers on the lower side to yeah. ensure that people feel safe and comfortable. Okay, so there's four concerts in this series. We'll just talk about the first one today. You run to May, Saturday the 14th of May, working backwards, Thursday the 7th of April, Friday the 25th of March, but it all begins this Friday, sorry, Friday week, the 4th of February at half past seven. Now, you're, you're not doing a season ticket, is it just per concert basis? It's per concert basis and it's 20 euro per concert. You know, everything has been up and down. And when we closed in March 2020, we had a season ticket Mm. at that point. And then we got into the business of having to refund people or ask people to donate uh, the concert ticket. So we just thought until we're out of the woods, Mm. let's just 
make it easy for everybody. Yes, of course, the box office is open for all four. You can commit yourself, but we're not asking people to commit that far in advance. Whatever people are comfortable with. Okay. So who are you presenting and what will they be performing on Friday the 4th of February? A stunning pianist by the name of Dennis Varjan, who comes from Hungary. I saw him first perform uh, at the West Cork Chamber Music Festival a number of years ago, and I was totally blown away by him. He's just a magical player, and he's putting together a programme, a beautiful programme that's just an hour in duration, so we're going without an interval, so there's no concerns about hanging around or anything like that. He's playing, he's going from Bach through to Mozart and finishing with Chopin. And with each of them, they are delicate pieces, they're familiar pieces, but there's great mastery in them. You know, sometimes if you see a piano player and they just the hands are going up and down, and it's just electric. It's, you know, reminders of those of us that were fortunate to learn piano, maybe at a younger age, and always have a great ambition to be as brilliant. This guy is superb oh superb. you've you've sold it to me and i'm sure everybody <laughs> listening today with that enthusiasm we've, we've just got to see him so the first concert is 7 30 friday the 4th of every in the beautiful st peter's church of ireland in Drogheda. the acoustics the piano everything that goes along with it is simply marvelous tickets are available at 20 euro each there is snip from drihid art center on 041 9833946 so you can go online drihid.com is the online oh there's more information available on this concert and the rest on drawhoditclassicalmusic.com It begins on Friday week and goes through to May. We'll be talking about it more on Late Lunch over the coming weeks and months. I wish you well. We're all delighted you're back. Thank you, Jerry, and hopefully we'll see you soon at one of the concerts. You will indeed, you will. I am one of those people who just loves the the arts and the live end of it, the live entertainment as well across the board. Thank you, Pauline. Wish you well. Thank you very much, Jerry. Take, Take care, care now. Bye. That's a great lady, Pauline Ashwood, their director of Drogheda Classical Music. Finishing late lunch today and telling you what's coming up tomorrow on the show. Dolores Whelan is with us ahead of the Bridget Festival and, of course, the bank holiday next year. I'm sure she's full of the joys. Rachel Graham's back for a final uh, edition in January on nutrition. Roisin Curtis will be with us as well. They're doing a big push in St Mary's School uh, in uh, Drogheda, stroke me, on mental health. And we're going to hear about nature therapy. Yes, we are indeed, from Sarah Hurrigan and more. Besides on the show, I want to say a big thank you to Brian Farley for guiding me safely through the last couple of hours. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive on LMFM Radio. Stay with us, but we're leaving you today with this one. Yes, it sums up the times we're moving towards, doesn't it? Freddie Mercury and Queen. Ah, yes, we're all going to break free, aren't we? See you tomorrow at 1.30 for your late lunch here on LMFM Radio. Have a lovely evening. Bye. I want to break free. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. 
You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.